0: Um, no. This week, we bring on Chris Clymer, Jack Nicholson, the actor, not the golfer, and Jason Middaugh to talk about security metrics and so much more. In the enterprise security news for this week, Palo Alto goes on a light diet. What's coming out of your endpoints? Vendors cutting some slack. How is your network flowing? Sticks, not the band and an aptly named solution. Oh, and security intelligence making intelligent decisions. All that and more on this edition of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is a Security Weekly production. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer-sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live. Logarithms NetMon Freemium delivers real-time network visibility to quickly identify emerging threats in your IT environment netmon freemium is a free commercial grade network forensics and traffic analytics solution you can use netmon freemium's powerful capabilities to search against all observed network traffic identify abnormal traffic patterns and application usage and quickly analyze full packet captures take the first step towards real-time network visibility visit logarithm.com forward slash freemium to learn more and download it today Pony Express, check out their line of penetration testing devices, including the Pone Pad, Pone Phone, and Pone Pro. For enterprises, there's Pone Pulse, providing continuous visibility into wired, Wi Fi, and Bluetooth spectrums across all physical locations, including remote sites and branch offices. For all those hard to reach places, there's Pony Express. Visit them on the web at PonyExpress.com. Welcome to Enterprise Security Weekly, episode 35 for March 2nd, 2017. I'm your host, Paul Asidorian, broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, dubbing this one the Here's Johnny edition couple of quick announcements before we get started. The 10th anniversary edition of Source Boston is being held this April, including training and conference talks being held April 24th through the 27th. Uh, awesome speakers from our community. The event will take place in Boston at the cour- Courtyard Marriott downtown. Security Weekly listeners get a $100 off discount on either the training or conference passes when using the discount code SECURITYWEEKLY. Visit SourceConference.com for more information. Infosec World 2017 conference is being held April 3rd through the 5th at the Omni Orlando Resort at Champions Gate in Orlando, Florida. Security Weekly listeners receive 10% off the conference or World Pass when they use the code OS17 SW. Hear talks from Kevin Johnson, Rich Mogul, and Corey Doctorow, and more. Visit infosecworld.misti.com to register today. That's M-I-S-T-I.com. ITProTV's courses now include Exchange 2016, Wireshark, ECIH, and ECES. ITProTV is also introducing new membership levels starting on March 8th. The new standard level, which is $57 a month or $570 a year, includes access to the on demand course library, live chat, and QA forum. The new premium level, which is $85.70, very important, 70 cents per month or $857 per year, includes access to all all the standard membership features, plus unlimited Transcender practice exams, virtual labs, and access to the Enterprise Portal. Subscribers can download courses with annual standard or premium memberships. One more conference. <coughs> this is a call for papers for B-Sides London, who uh, generously asked me or, I guess, genuinely asked me to uh, announce this on our show. And I will, because their conference, B-Sides London, is being held June 7th at the ILEC Conference Center in London, of course. Uh, the CFP closes on March 27th, and presenters will be announced on May 1st. They're also looking for presenters in the rookie track, mentors for the rookies, and folks to run workshops. So make sure you visit securitybsides.com.uk. The, the dot .uk is important, right? Securitybsides.com.uk. Mr. John Strand, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hey, happy to be on the show this
1: week. It should be a lot of fun, and then I don't know if I'm going to be on next week. It's going to take a lot to convince me. I'm finally going on vacation, so you we'll should see. go if on I vacation. Do, it's going to be close to the ocean. Your wife and I'll share that with you
0: guys. would send a missile to my location if I brought you on the show next week. So we are definitely she not She probably doing would.
1: She's it. dialing in the codes as we speak. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh, we have some special guests today. They're going to stick around. They're going to talk about the enterprise security news. And then we're going to talk about security metrics. Um, so I've got Chris Clymer, Jack Nicholson, and Jason Medaw. Did I get all that right, guys? Yep. Right on. Alrighty. Very good. And so from left to right, we've got Chris, Jack, and then Jason. Guys, welcome to the show. Excited to be for having here. having us. So now you guys are giving a, a talk at InfoSec World, right? That's kind of how we, we got all three of you uh, as like a, a package deal, pretty much, which is awesome. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you for having us. Moving Mountains with Metrics.
0: Awesome. There awesome. And we'll talk about metrics in the, in the next segment. Um, and, uh, so just really quickly guys, um, Chris, Jack, and then Jason, uh, what, what, do you, what do you guys do like really quick, give like a, a two sentence bio for each of you.
3: So I'm the, uh, director of security at a firm called MRK. And our big thing is CISO for hire for companies that uh, can't quite justify having one full time.
0: Jack,
2: um, I'm the director of infrastructure and security for Chart Industries, a billion-dollar manufacturing company.
0: Now, see, I knew you had a director title by your jacket. It's very, it's very. Nice. <laughs> no, no, no. That 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 jacket demands respect.
2: I love that coat. By the way, it is awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yeah, and I'm Jason. I um, I work for Cliffs Natural Resources. I run both our infrastructure and security departments.
0: Awesome, very cool, awesome. Top of the news this week: Palo Alto goes on a diet and purchases Light Cyber. Get it? Diet light.
1: Uh, <laughs> took me a while. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you love my funny right, jokes, right. my well attempts at being funny jokes. Anyway. So what do you yeah. take? What's your take on this one, John?
1: Um, Palo Alto is getting their, uh, lunch handed to them. Uh, Cisco is basically coming on and actually creating a line of products that is a very, very competitive with Palo Alto. I'll just give you a couple of examples. Some of our customers over the past 12 months have been doing shootouts between Firepower and Palo Alto and a number of the customers that we have have been choosing,
0: uh, Wait, Cisco's. Firepower products. is the merger of Cisco and Sourcefire, right?
1: Yep. Yep, and it's their new ASA line actually,
0: okay. and um, they've terrible. You know, it's probably, still a terrible by name, by the way.
1: It is, it is, but 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 it's been weird. We've been having a lot of customers that go in and are like, "Yeah, we got to do a shootout. We got to bring in Cisco because all of our other crap is Cisco." But we're going to go with Palo Alto. And then I talked mm-hmm. to them like a month and a half later, they basically say, "Yeah, we did that shootout, and Cisco kicked their ass." Mm. And it, it's I've never seen that type of that quick of a turnaround in the industry, um, and as many customers as I've seen recently. And I think that that just goes to show when we're talking about unification companies, where Cisco is in absolutely everywhere. They are absolutely going to be a competitor with you, regardless of whatever market vertical you're, at, market vertical you're actually playing right. in. And it just shows if they turn around and they execute well on something, it, it makes them very, very, very dangerous. And yeah, it's kind of sad. I think that Palo Alto actually became kind of a cash cow for a while. And you know they got a little bit lazy because they were on the top of the heap for a while. And they got a serious competitor. And it's, it's going to impact them. I mean, we see it in the stock market already. And I've been seeing it in all of our customers that are doing shootouts as well.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. I, I thought the, the purchase of uh, Light Cyber was actually kind of, I thought it was good in general for network based threat hunting, which John and I have a very vested interest in it as we do it as part of offensive <laughs> countermeasures. But I thought it was kind of validation, John of what we're doing, yeah. right? Like, Light cyber being probably the closest competitor to offensive countermeasures, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you, but having them be a very, very close, uh, very, very in-the-network solution, right? They're looking at mostly network traffic. And to have Palo Alto come in and buy them, I think was a a good thing to kind of validate... Uh, what we're trying to accomplish with network-based threat hunting.
1: I, I think that's absolutely true, and it's also a way for Palo Alto to further differentiate themselves from Cisco and some of the other vendors. That you know, Palo Alto has always kind of, kind of had this reputation of being an extremely solid product, maybe a little bit more complicated to implement, but it gave you a lot more functionality and a lot more cool techie things that you could do with the tool than you could do with a lot of their competitors. And I think that this is kind of moving back into that direction to have that capability to start catering to the packet heads that are out there, people like you and me Right. That do this stuff all the time, and not just you know a, a CISO, for example. But they're trying to cater back to those people as a differentiator, and that might work. That might work out really, really, really well. I hope it does, because as as we've mentioned in many shows, we love Palo Alto. They're a great company. We have lots of friends that work there. They don't s- threaten to sue us when we find vulnerabilities and on, on how to bypass their product. So I guess our bar is the bar really is low. Pretty,
0: pretty low. there. Josh is going to say that
1: they don't uh, they don't threaten to sue. Right, that's really sad. I'm going to
2: pass it over to our panel.
1: What do yes, you guys, think?
0: our esteemed panel of <laughs> colleagues, I've been.
2: I agree. I've been really impressed with what Cisco did there for a while. Their firewalls were really not not up to snuff, and with some of the recent acquisitions of Sourcefire, and then also what they've done with uh, Threat Grid and OpenDNS to start bringing those products together. So now, when something comes into your firewall, it can go into a detonation chamber with Threat Grid, Um, you know, with their AMP product and you get a lot better intelligence um, out of that product. You know, we've been really impressed with what they're doing.
0: Nice. Uh, Let's see. Anyone have anything
1: bad to say about Cisco? It doesn't seem like we should go through this segment without saying at least something (laughs) bad about Cisco. I
3: kind of agree with you. We're going to get a big
1: head.
2: So
3: it's good to hear they're finally
2: catching up. I mean, uh, we've been very familiar with the Palo Alto products. I'm very happy with them. But uh, yep. it sounds like uh, after hearing what I'm hearing here, it's probably worth another look at Cisco again because I think they were getting their lunch handed to them for a long time.
0: Um, has anyone, speaking of Cisco, looked at uh, Cisco's StealthWatch endpoint license so you can extend the visibility and real-time situational awareness of StealthWatch to the endpoint? Stealth Watch endpoint license collects endpoint telemetry using the Cisco AnyConnect 4.2 and up. Did anyone seen that? Yeah, that didn't sound like an ad. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> I have looked into
2: it. Um, we're an OpenDNS customer, and when they've integrated that with AnyConnect, and then when we saw the Stealth Watch idea integrating with the AnyConnect that's already on our endpoint, And that ties in with what Palo Alto has been doing with their endpoint protection Mm -hmm. that feeds back to the firewall to create kind of more of a holistic loop in the environment. I think it's a really good move for them. I just hope they continue to open up their APIs, make their devices more interconnected, and better reporting into more SIMs and and just more of that open API uh, environment that Cisco just is too closed and too proprietary.
0: So more good I, I love, things. You know, good Lord. Yeah. We need to say something bad got, about a vendor. Quick.
2: I,
1: I, I was going to say the whole thing with the API. I love that. Everyone's always trying to get Cisco to open their APIs. And one of their engineers once told me, he said, yeah, we'd love to open up our APIs if we actually knew how they worked. And <laughs> the kind of the point of that joke is there's all these different vendors that Cisco purchases so quickly that there's no standardization across the APIs. It's not a consistent platform base. That's why I love the advertisements. I don't know. Were any of you guys at RSA? Not not this this year. Well, Cisco had this advertisement. It was an airplane made up of all kinds of different airplane parts. So it looks like this hodgepodge. And, it, and it basically, their point was you wouldn't fly an airplane made by a, like 20 different vendors. And looking at that, that mm. literally was the embodiment of Cisco, like this hodgepodge of a whole bunch of technologies mm. all stuck together in a vague shape of a corporation. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where Cisco's at. So you talk about opening up their APIs. I think people have been asking that for a while, but a lot of their technologies are acquisitions of other. Other companies and it takes them a long time to try to tie all
3: that stuff together if at all if they even bother you know just to, to interject what i'm kind of excited is it seems like they're figuring out how to make acquisitions work right so i i, I think back to the last round right so cisco security agent and, and mars and there were some other really great products they had right they bought what was iron and did a really big push on security and then decided, oh, we don't want to be in the security business, and quickly sold all that stuff off. And it, it never quite. Some of the products worked out; they worked really well in a niche. A lot of us who were CSA fans still feel burned by it and are a little reluctant a to minute. get back on. Yeah, I I, I I threw up my mouth some a little bit, security like security agent.
1: I, I got to throw some Cisco, Cisco Security Agent love as well because, like that product was awesome. Uh, pen testing at the time, it was a very very difficult product. It was very very cool. Uh, but no, I agree with you 110%. It's like I, I still but, have. People but then today Cisco. But then Cisco. Well, CSA.
0: Cisco bought it. I mean, the same thing happened with Mars too. Like yeah, Mars just,
1: Global, Mars Local collectors. I just, yeah.
0: I want to throw up in my mouth even more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was like where all good products went to die, yes. and we thought Sourcefire was going yeah. to die, but they managed to turn that around and actually make it a really good integration. Well, so.
0: that was it. That was the turning point. Marty whipped Cisco into shape. That's my story. Probably, and I'm I would say. It. Let's
1: let's go ahead and give that because even if we're <laughs> wrong, it's
0: it's Marty, right? <laughs> right. So. It's a cool story, and it's Marty. Uh, Dome Nine uh, falls in line with a list of other vendors that have integration with Slack because everyone wants Do things you- in Slack. I. D-
1: do you have like an email alert for companies that integrate with Slack now? Like every time it comes up, it's like, oh, there's another one for the show. Um, there's a lot of it. there's a lot of
0: like stuff to sift through, and I try and pull out product announcements and like integrations are a product announcement, and so this is just a continuing trend of people integrating with Slack, and we covered a story a couple of weeks uh, on another show and. It was kind of similar to this. It was like, well, instead of integrating with Slack, we're going to integrate with like these Watson and in all uh, voice-activated versions of Watson, so that like you walk into your office and your computer is telling you like what's happening on your network. That's 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 that where was... things are headed apparently. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I think that this is a huge, huge, huge shift. And I don't, it's kind of weird because we've been seeing it on the show. Everyone's integrating with Slack. Everyone's integrating with Slack. And yet a lot of these vendors are trying to be that single pane of glass that you look at your security and your organization and the alerts come there. And I honestly think that Slack or something like Slack is going to be that. So if you wanted to set up a, a good product offering, you, what you do is you would set up something Slack-ish, integrate with Syslog, have all of your critical alerts dumped to it, have it pop up to your analysts whenever they're doing work, and you're going to make billions of dollars. Because this isn't just something, Paul, that we're seeing a couple of times. This yeah. is a massive shift in the industry as a
0: whole. Well, and you know what concerns me is it, once it's the AI computer that I can talk to that is being used to manage my security. What if I need to close the pod bay doors? Like, what if? (laughs) And it says, Dave, I can't do that. And my name's not even Dave, but it's telling me that I can't do that. doesn't even know your name. That's so sad. That's that's what concerns me. I'm very concerned about that. You know, if you ask the Amazon Echo device to close the pod bay doors, she says, sorry, Dave, I can't do that. Really? Yeah, I I laugh, and my wife just gives me weird looks. All right.
1: So throw it over to our panel. Whenever you guys are looking at centralized unification as far as alerting and monitoring and visualization, are you guys starting to look at things like Slack for your analysts that are doing this on a day-to-day basis, or are you guys still looking at, you know, we're going to have our SIM alert feed, or you're going to have 12 different screens with 12 different tools? Like, when you guys think about a SOC moving forward, not just today in your organizations, but think about the next five to 10 years, what do you think that's going to look like? Uh,
3: what
2: do you want? Okay. So um, the the individual who uh, runs our security program here at Chart, I love the way that he says it's all about sharpening our resolution and getting down to a finer and finer ability to see what's coming in and out of our environment and being able to then take that finer resolution of what we're seeing and bring it into less and less places so that way we don't have to go hunt and find it. and. That is, a, that is a big process. There's a lot of maturity there. There's a lot of uh, process and people training. And the technology, at this time, it, where we're at in our maturity is we're really trying to get our processes right and our people you know, align everything. And the technology, a lot of them have already got it where they've got feeds where we can bring things in and bring them into one place. And we're just trying to stack them all together, but we're trying to more figure out what is it that we're trying to achieve. What is our risks? Where are we trying to mitigate? And what? how are we trying to improve the organization? And that's what we've been really trying to make sure that we're answering the right question and not just building something and then try to find a solution for it after the fact.
1: Oh, that is so good because... Uh, yesterday, I had a call with IONS, and it lines up with that. They sent me this spreadsheet, and it had, like I think, 50, 60 different security technologies based in it. And then it was cross-referenced with those technologies and those vendors did. And what had happened is this organization went on a purchasing bend, bender uh, uh, like three years ago, and they were buying every single bright and shiny product that they could find. And they finally got to the point where the CIO said, stop, figure out what's going on. Where's the overlap between these different products? Um, what products can we actually get rid of? And they had chased that bright, shiny object. You know, they thought they could just buy their way into a secure architecture, and it didn't get them anywhere. They didn't have any goals of what they actually wanted. They didn't have any concept of, from a unified perspective, what security should be like. They didn't have hardly any training. They were just throwing tools at it. And uh, I I think that that's a trap. And I know that, as I'm saying this, there's people that are listening that are like, I want that problem. I want that problem that those guys (laughs) have
2: right now. You really don't. I'll tell you. I – I was at another company, I worked my butt off for a year, and I did a pen test at the beginning of the year, didn't do so great, worked like hell for a whole year, and did another pen test, and I actually did worse, and I bought a lot of stuff, implemented a lot of tools, and it wasn't until I stopped kind of chasing the hype, really started to become metric focused on what matters, what's really happening in my environment, stopped buying tools. And started focusing on really making change happen instead of implementing new stuff that I really started making progress. Um, you know, you, you lose a lot of time doing decision analysis and implementation of tools when you could really be making change in the organization. Yep.
0: Speaking of tools, we have more of them to talk about. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> uh, I- Ixia and Flowmon, I believe, ha- I don't know if they partnered or merged or one of them bought each other. Uh, th- that was kind of interesting. But their uh, network flow-based uh, tool, Well, Flowmon is, uh, and Ixia is a, um, a network visibility solution, to use the the marketing term. So uh, how useful is-, is flow data today? I mean, is this uh, merger kind of useful? Is it people want more out of their flow data? I mean, it- and also I- there's a newer standard. They came around since uh, IPFIX, right? Is a is it the newer version from Cisco that, of the flow data format?
1: Well, it's trying to get to that consistency problem in logging that we've been talking about for the past couple of years. When do you actually log a connection or any any type of consistency problem that you have? And there's a really great XKCD comic about this. They talk about standards, and they say that there's these 27 different standards that are all competing with each other. And then they say, well, what we're going to do is develop our own standard that's going to unify all of them. And then it (laughs) says, like, now there are 28 standards all competing with each other. and. And that's, that's, that you know, all joking aside, that is a real problem. Right. But if you look at Flowmon, the best way I can consider, like, describing Flowmon is it's like NTOP on steroids. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we're seeing another schism that's happening in the industry. We have tools that are being designed for geeks by geeks. And I would say offensive countermeasures is definitely in that category. And then we have the, quote, unquote, automate everything, try to make life easy for the analyst as much as possible.
0: Slack integration. Path.
1: Slack integration, absolutely. Oh, ties in- it in. But
0: speaking of standards, that uh, build another standards. Um, Looking Glass is claiming that uh, their product is the first threat intelligence platform to be compliant with Sticks two That's and not a stick cover band. And nobody cared, and nobody cared. Crickets. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: this will be one of those stories. I don't know, I'm probably going to be wrong and somebody's going to shoot me an email and be like, ah, I told you. But, you know, you have all these standards whenever you're talking about sharing um, indicators of compromise. You have stick standards, you have open IOC, you have uh, Yara rules, you have tons of different standards in sharing this. And this goes back to the XKCD comic. We don't need another standard. We really, really don't. And a lot of that is driven by vendors saying, we want to be the market leader. And there's already a standard like, well, screw that. We're going to create our own standard and yeah. then we're going to become the market leader. And this kind of feels like that. Um, you know, I wish them the absolute best of luck, but to be honest, I, I don't really get all excited whenever people start implementing different standards, per se. Is, is, it,
0: is it useful for organizations to take advantage of these standards that are uh, have the interest of sharing threat information uh, in mind? I, I don't often find a lot of organizations, unless it's in the financial industry and it's fraud, where they can compare different threats and really truly benefit and improve their security by comparing the threats out there and sharing threat information.
1: Wow, I, I think that that's a perfect example of the type of industry that very greatly benefits uh, from mm-hmm. threat intelligence data. Yep. However, whenever you're talking about sharing and standards, if you're looking like a vendor like Threat Connect, in full disclosure, they are a sponsor and also full disclosure, if they sucked, we'd tell you so, and they wouldn't be a sponsor for too much longer. But a good um, like threat intelligence, once again, a threat intelligence product, whether it's a feed or whether it's a unification platform whatever whatever it is will be able to support those standards regardless and threat connect is one of those that supports a wide variety of standards um, and makes lots and of
0: integrations it's a great segue john yeah, um, did you read, it's almost like i set it up that you way you did set something. it up that way uh, because where i thought you were going next is where threat connect differentiates itself uh, largely in my experience is they just don't want to collect from external sources. They want to work with internal sources. They want to collect from internal sources, and they want to make changes on internal sources and uh, be a, more larger, a larger dashboard that can actually let you do things in an intelligent manner, such as in the way they do this through a lot of integrations, and they just announced a bunch more with Phantom, Cy- uh, Cyber, FishMe. Uh, they now integrate with Jira, uh, ServiceNow, Recorded Future, and, of course, Slack for good measure.
1: I didn't see Slack in the story, but we just knew it was... I'm sitting here looking at I'm like, he's going to say Slack. He's going to... And he did. I did. Um, but yeah, their, their integration is, is is pretty much ridiculous at this point. It almost is so funny at this point, the amount of integrations that you almost have to wonder how good they are at integrating a lot of those different things. But, but this one, John... The I, ones we've talked to with our customers, they do pretty good so yeah. far from what
2: we've heard.
0: What I like, though, is integration with Jira, ServiceNow, um, those actually let you do things. Right, like act on the yep. data. So many, how many people you talk to, John? Like, yeah, we like collect all this threat data, and I'm like, well, what what do you what do you do with it? Oh, like, it looks pretty graphs and meetings and stuff. <laughs> like, actually, funny
1: to... <laughs> that you should mention that, sir. We did a study, by the way. Uh, we did a uh, Mailchimp, not a Mailchimp, a SurveyMonkey mm. uh, study, and I just so happened to have the statistics right here that I was going to share with the show, specifically with threat intelligence and. Um, the, the actual survey, whenever we're talking about people pulling in data, if we're looking at percentages, let me go to analyze here real quick. This is the most anticlimactic sharing of survey data of all time. Um, only four, uh, people said it was like the best thing ever out of all of our respondents. We had, we had 50 respondents. Uh, 11 said it was okay. It was very much just, it was all right. And then 17 were in the middle. It was like, meh. Ah, uh, four said not so hot, and then uh, the largest percentage was uh, why did I, why did I pay for this uh, was the big one. <laughs> And, and, and it's kind of interesting because that's kind of the main theme. And I'll, I'm going to write up an article and we'll share it uh, here yeah. probably in the next week or so. But the vast majority of the people get this data, they purchase the product, and then they don't do anything with that data. Uh, and that is the biggest problem with it. And that's been something I've been talking about for a long time. Um, once again, I'd like to throw this one over to our panel. Mm-hmm. You guys, what your thoughts on threat intelligence feeds. I've made my thoughts known many times on the show. Yeah,
3: I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll jump in here, guys. I, I'll tell you what. I think the perspective you're going to get from the three of us is going to be a little bit different, maybe from some of the, uh, some of the folks you've had on the past. This is the last thing on my list with the folks that I'm working with, with the companies that I'm in threat Intel is absolutely the lasting list of what we're worried about. Um, because we're dealing with more fundamental problems, right? Have we figured out how to consistently get patches applied to all of our Microsoft servers, right? Um, have we figured out how to deal with Java that's all across the enterprise? Have we figured out how to deal with people that have local admin on a lot more systems than we would like? Um, my experience is there's always something shiny, right? In the last couple of years, it's been thread intel. This year, it's getting to be a little more of this machine learning and UBA. And there's always these shiny tools, right? And they're a lot of fun to talk about. And, and RSA is full of them. But you get back to the office and, and what's the real work and where is the risk at? And... The shiny stuff is, is fun, but it's probably not addressing the core stuff. And the reason is the core stuff's not fun to deal with. i got to go t- get out of my seat and go talk to Bob, who's over on the system admin team, and convince him that he needs to spin up a project to go get a CCM in place to actually get patches applied and do it every month. And i got to check up. And these are very, very boring things that I can do with stuff that I've already got, but I've just got to argue with a lot of people. It makes way more of an impact. Um, so, yeah, Threat Intel usually is pretty far down my list.
2: Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll echo what Chris said. Uh, and we're, we're most more focused on basic blocking and tackling still, you know, just getting the vulnerability management's down, you know, working on the results out of our pen tests, other things like that. Uh, the, the pretty flashy stuff isn't really even on our radar at the second. Yeah, I mean, we, we use some Threat Intel feeds where we bring them into our sim. You know, we'll look for some of the sticks and taxi signatures. And it's nice. It's, a, it's definitely a value add. There, We have caught some things out of China with that without a Thread Intel feed to look for that signature. You know, we might not have caught it with another tool. So I definitely see the value, but I do agree with these guys. You've got to be further along in your maturity path. You've got to have your basics covered. And then the Thread Intel is then how you take your program That kind of next level when you're trying to now anticipate and and really look for those, um, you know, really uh, more obscure threats, but you've got to have your house in order first.
0: Um, That's awesome. Uh, Thanks, guys. Um, I just the last story that we had here before we uh, take a break um, was uh, from Threat Stack, actually, and I thought it was a useful article. (laughs) Uh, John, I don't know if you agree or disagree with uh, package Which management. Which one was this? Uh, this oh, is, the package uh, management. Ubuntu, yeah,
1: two, S three. Yeah, yeah,
0: a bunch of repo management with aptly and AWS uh, S three. But this was this was fantastic,
1: because one of the questions I always ask in five hundred four, and some of you may remember such questions, um, is what is your patch success deployment rating? And in, uh, in Microsoft, mm. a lot of people say it's eighty, eighty-five percent, and that's about average, right? That's the best case scenario. Once you move on to Linux and Unix-based computer systems, usually the patch success deployment rating percentage goes. Like through the floor. It's just horrible. And I think that that's one of the other problems we have with quote-unquote cloud computers is a lot of times we think of them as an appliance. You just run it and somebody else actually keeps that system up to date. And uh, to have a nice article that talks about how we can approach that problem with Ubuntu and Linux-based computer systems, because they mention Red Hat and stuff in here too, mm-hmm. is, is just a great article. And anybody that has Linux or Unix in their infrastructure
0: needs to read this. Absolutely. With that, we're going to take a short break, come back, and dive into Security Metrics. So stay tuned.